Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Hi, and welcome to another episode of a Dad's Path podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. Today we're speaking with John Ogden, co-founder of Uplift Kids. Uplift Kids gives your kids an inner compass. The goal is to create a culture of meaning and reflection at home. John is an expert on creating lesson curriculums and has been on a decades-long study of the world's wisdom traditions, looking to keep the best of the past alive while evolving beyond its limitations. So we're going to dive into what this means and more. Welcome, John. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So I want to talk a little bit today about, you know, emotion, spirituality, values, these sort of big topics. But a good way to start is spirituality, maybe. What does spirituality mean when we're talking about kids? And and how does that sort of fit in with family and parenting? Spirituality is a tough word to define. Uh, One researcher talked about how they found 21 different definitions. And so we have to always caveat with this is our definition. (laughs) <laughs> but our definition is that it has to do with connection. So spirituality is trying to overcome feelings of separateness. And we think it's really important today because so many teens are saying that they're feeling sad and hopeless. In fact, it's gone up quite a bit, uh, the percent of teens from, uh, it was about 28% around a decade ago to like now it's about 44%. So it's nearly half of teens say they feel persistently sad and hopeless. And our hypothesis is that one of the things that can help is feeling connected rather than disconnected. And so that's what we're getting at with spirituality. And in our case, we're not talking about any specific set of beliefs. Anybody can come with their own set of beliefs to uplift kids. But we're talking about it in three specific ways. We're talking about connecting to something that you're in awe of, whatever that might be, and then connecting with friends and family, like through vulnerable, heartfelt conversations something more than just a surface level, like deep connection with those who you love. And then finally, we're talking about connecting to your authentic self and your inner compass. So really having inner integrity and really being connected to that aspect of yourself. So everything for us when we're talking about spirituality is coming down to that idea of deep connection. That really helps ground it a lot. I love that definition. And like you said, it's your definition, but that makes a lot of sense. And you know, there's family and involving your family in connection and spirituality. and But then there's also a spirituality within. When we become dads, something changes, right? And a lot of us are stay-at-home dads. A lot of us are working extra hard because when we come home from our normal job, we have another job that we want to take even more seriously. So I think that's a struggle, but it really resonated when you said, you know, we're talking about connection. I'd love to dig in there. Connection about something you're in awe of. You know, can you help me paint a picture? I mean, I like hiking, for example. Is it something like that? Is it, you know, playing tennis? Is it connecting with friends? Is it all those, none of those? Yeah, it's all those. Yeah, I noticed in one of your recent polls on your site, you had like, uh, what are some of your best memories of your dad? And people put fishing. And I think that is really kind of capture the full sense of connection. 
you're out in nature, sitting with somebody, talking, it's low-key, not stressful, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And you're just kind of having a nice time side by side and just viewing the beauty. I mean, if you're around a lake or a river, it's a beautiful scene. And so in terms of connecting to something that you're in awe of, it would be nature is often where spiritual experiences happen. You know, we've come through dozens of databases looking through various people recounting spiritual experiences they've had. So many of them are in nature. And it really, it comes down to like, I felt this deep connection beyond myself to all, to everything that, and so that is an experience of awe or a spiritual experience and yeah, hiking, fishing, totally ways to go about it. Other people feel it in like large crowds where everybody's united around a certain thing. Some people feel it in a religious setting. So it can happen any number of places. But the important thing is that we have those experiences because when we can transcend our ego, we end up feeling love and peace in our lives. Yeah, that's beautiful. I hate how simple you make it sound because it's true. I mean, if you just do that, you get out in nature and, you know, it can have such a positive impact and then it's easy, the opposite to happen. You get stuck behind your desk or at home or wherever it is. And man, I feel depressed. I don't feel good. I don't know why. Well, you know, (laughs) you do know why. So how do you recommend kind of planning those kind of connections? I know you can't plan an actual connection event, but both for yourself with your family. I mean, what have you seen worked from your experience? Yeah, you're right. You can't control what the event is going to be like completely. It's going to happen as it happens. But you can increase the probability of having connection. So you're pointing to something very real like, oh, I'm sitting on my computer all day, every day. Probably not going to have a real deep connection with the world. And I noticed this one of the times that we went camping as a family. We're sitting around the campfire and my son just started opening up about things that he would never really talk about at that level at home. And it was just one of the best conversations that we've had with him. And it was largely because we're out in nature around a campfire rather than like huddled around a device. And so it's hard to keep in mind because camping does require this lift. You know, you got to prepare, you got to get everything ready. It can be stressful. But once you get there and you're just kind of relaxed in that space, you increase the probability of that connection happening. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like you said, I mean, that, that's life. You need to just increase the probability of things happening, give yourself the best chance of whatever it is. And same thing with, with connection. And when we're talking about family, I think that was the second one you mentioned, connecting with family. I mean, the example you gave kind of ticks off both boxes or checks off both boxes, you know, if you're camping with your son. Is that the type of activity you typically see? What Can you give me another one that might be less typical or some creative ideas with family or what you mean there? In terms of having a spiritual experience? Yeah. Another one is like one of our lessons at Uplift Kids centered around grandparents. And we talk about lineage and connecting with ancestors, just like learning about your ancestors. Who were they? What's their what's their story? You know, stuff that a lot of kids don't know. Who is their great grandpa? Who is their great grandma? That kind of stuff. But then one of our lessons is specifically about grandparents. And so we got on a Zoom call because their grandparents live in a different state. And we have like a set of questions that we found that are very helpful. They're a set of questions that researchers have found that if kids know the answers to these questions, they end up having higher well-being. And so we kind of had this conversation with the grandparents walking through the questions. And it was just a chance for my kids to really connect beyond just my spouse and I. And so that's one other example. I mean, that one does involve technology 
we're not opposed to technology. Technology can be a helpful springboard as long as it's engaged with mindfully rather than mindlessly. But that's an example of using technology to connect to somebody else in life. Yeah, that's very cool. I'd be curious to see some of those questions. Do you remember uh, one of them offhand? Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. How did you meet? Okay. Tell me the story of how you met. Tell me a memory of the first home you can remember. So in a kind of a, situated in a place. I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah, I can't think of another one right now, but those are two. Yeah, no, those are, those are great examples. Thank you. And then the last area of connection you were talking about is connecting with your authentic self. What does that mean? We all have our set personalities, and sometimes it's called the ego. And there's a desire that all of us have to look good and to have our personality shine, you know, and to, to make sure that our ego is fluffed up. We want to look good. We want to be respected. And then there's a part of us that is always at peace and isn't so concerned about the rat race, isn't so concerned about appearances. And when we can kind of be in stillness, this is a big part of meditation practice and mindfulness practice. When we can be in stillness, we start to attune to that part of ourselves that's just kind of at peace with how life is, grateful for how life is. And that is, in some traditions, it might be called the true self or authentic self. We often use the words inner compass just because it's a kind of a concrete or tactile thing that kids can understand. Here's a compass and compass points north and you want to tune to, you want to kind of let the mud settle, so to speak, in life so that you can see where it's pointing to. So in practicing stillness, we kind of align to a deeper part of ourselves. And we kind of realize that maybe some of the things that we have been fixated on aren't really all that important. I like that. I mean, use the word gratitude. It sounds, you know, so much is based in gratitude and understanding, hey, <laughs> look at the treasures around me. You know, we're here. We all have our own treasures. We all have our own challenges, certainly. But coming at it from the you know, gratitude perspective, I think, as you pointed out, is a great way to kind of help create that calmness and, you know, understand where you are. That's really good. I love this conversation about spirituality. So one more question. When would you start with a kid? You know, how old are, would you say you should start having conversations about spirituality? And what's the sort of, where would you start? One way that I really like comes from a professor of Columbia University. Her name is Lisa Miller. And she talks about a field of love. And it's just one of the many phrases that you could use. It's not the right phrase, you know, the single phrase, but it's, I think it's a powerful phrase. She talks about how if a kid can understand that you love them as their father, your spouse loves them, their grandparents love them, you know, their aunts and uncles, etc., love them, their friends love them, if they can really get a sense that they are growing up in a field of love, where you say like, you know, to use the phrase from Mr. Rogers, I like you just the way you are. And they really internalize that over and over again. Then that is the spirituality that we're talking about, this deep connection. And the reason it's so powerful is that one day your kids are going to leave the house. You're not going to be there. And they're going to face some challenge, perhaps a crippling challenge that really floors them. If they 
have a foundation of this field of love, then they can sense that they might not know all the answers right now. Things might seem hopeless, but they know that this field of love is real. And they felt that in their life. And that can kind of guide them through or carry them through it when all else seems to fail. And so it's somebody could write it off and just, oh, that's a bunch of fluff. What are you talking about? That was a bunch of nonsense. But I think it is very real that kids are struggling and they're facing very hard emotional situations. And one of the best ways to counter it is by introducing them to the field of love. And that can happen at a very young age. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a great, really nice approach. And, you know, I also like how we talked about, or you talked about, you know, having your true compass. And that's another thing that can resonate as your kids get a little older because they understand what a compass is. They can, you know, understand it always pointing in a certain direction. And, you know, that direction is basically your values. That's something you guys talk about. And it's such a great word and it's such a big word. It's like spirituality where I, I can't define it. So can you talk about values? I don't need a definition per se. If you have one, great. But I'd love to just hear what it means to either discover your your values or rediscover your values, You know, especially as you're going through a change, having a new child at home. I'm glad that you brought up the inner compass there because that's the first lesson that we encourage parents to do in our in our curriculum and library at home. So it's like, introduce them to the concept of a compass, introduce them to like what it's like to really sit with your values. The values that we explore, we have a lot of lessons around a lot of values. So kindness, compassion, forgiveness, generosity, etc. Basically, all of us want to feel peace inside and this like sense of joy in life. And what can get in our way is like our pursuit of short-term relief. And so we pursue like short-term relief thinking, oh, this is going to get me there. And then it does for a moment and then it kind of sets us back. And this could be any number of things. Values are the things that uh, are more about our long-term well-being. So even though it can be a little bit challenging to be kind or a little bit challenging to be compassionate, it's in our long-term best interest. And so we choose that value because through practice, we start to realize, oh, when I make this decision, I actually end up happier than when I choose something for my short-term relief that is only for my short-term relief. I like that as well. The compass analogy there with, you know, it's also okay to go off true north sometimes. You know, it's not ideal, but sometimes that's going to happen. And, you know, I think that's another one, I guess you're talking about forgiveness, and that's a really important lesson. That's something that I know we struggle with as dads sometimes. In terms of codifying or writing down, I guess, your values, I mean, I assume you guys have um, something you guys use at Uplift or a, a tool, but it, is that like a mission statement as well? Or can you talk about that? That's something that we've talked about using. And for us, we're just at a dad's path. We're all about looking at different tools. And what you guys deliver is a really good tool. It's not the only tool. It's not the only way, but it does organize things well. And we can talk about that more. But yeah, sorry, going back to the mission statement and if or how you recommend sort of codifying if that's the right, you know, idea. We have seven points in our approach that we use to kind of form our lessons at Uplift. But then in the home, I have kind of centered around four types of health. And this is likely influenced by Stephen Covey. It's like intellectual health, physical health, social health, and spiritual health. And so 
then we break down each one of those, you know, just to give one example, physical health, exercise, sleep, good eating, you know, so the, and then each of the other ones are broken down. So that's like my personal in-home kind of mission statement, so to speak. But then just to give one example of Uplift's approach, one of our things that we list in our approach is about complementary values. And so we say that it's not enough just to hold one value at the expense of another. So for instance, courage is a great value, but if you grip to any value too tightly, it becomes a vice. And so courage held too tightly becomes recklessness. And then caution can be a great value. Be careful. You know, I saw that you had an article about that. But if you hold that too tightly, as you said in your article, it becomes paralyzing. You actually end up hurting your kid by gripping to that value so tightly, safety. And so you want to find the the right blend of courage and caution. And that is actually where you get healthy. That's where you develop healthy systems in your family. So that's just one of the seven points in our approach at Uplift is we say any virtue or value held too tight becomes an advice. That's a great lesson, you know, whether through Uplift or not, but that's not something that we teach to actively, I would say, or proactively, you know, unless you're thinking about it. You know, the be careful example, that was one we did happen to teach, but that is pretty much every vice or every every virtue, you know, it goes both ways. And that's a lesson that also your kids can start learning in a fairly complicated subject at a younger age, which is which is healthy because we're always talking about, you know, how do we start at a young age, being open with each other, making sure you know we're doing all we can because it doesn't get easier. You know, <laughs> they don't open up later magically. You know, things are, and a lot of that's based on emotions. And I know that's something that you guys also focus on and have your kids understand what they're feeling, being able to express what they're feeling. Are those? I'd love to hear your approach on emotions and if that's kind of the right thread there. Yeah, totally. Emotions are so important to work with, especially with, well, not not even especially with kids, just period. Like I need so much help still in emotional health. And so what we do is help families first name emotions. And so my spouse is the illustrator at Uplift Kids. And we did a deck of 36 cards that each of them have a different emotion on it. And so we have them in four different groups. You know, they're kind of grounded in happy, sad, angry, and calm. And then you have the surrounding emotions. Anyway, there are 36 emotions. And so the first thing is you have to name it. You have to be able to say, here's this emotion. I'm going to name it. When I feel it, it feels like this in my body. And so one of the games we play is take a card and then do charades. So do emotions charades. You can do this with a fairly young kid. Our age range is like probably three or four at the youngest, but they can do this kind of thing with the basic emotions. And so you say like, okay, you know, you drew the card angry, show it, you know, act it out for us. And so as they learn, okay, here's, I'm going to act it out. Here's what it feels like in my body. Here's an image of what it looks like. And here's the name of the emotion. And they start being able to name each one. Then you can say, okay, so when this emotion happens, what's a healthy reaction? And this is where it becomes a practice because we all mess up. Anger by itself isn't bad. Sadness by itself isn't bad. But often our reactions when we have those emotions in our body is bad. You know, it it hurts people and it hurts ourselves. And so it's a matter of when it happens saying, try again. 
okay, yeah, you were feeling angry and then you took it out in this way, you know, you hit your sibling. Try again. What is a healthy way to react when you feel anger in your body over and over and over again? You know, it's a lifelong process. But then as we practice it, we get better. We instantly recognize, oh, that's anger. I know what to do when I feel angry. And then you have a healthy reaction. Right. And like you said, you know, that's something that parents can work on. So, you know, one benefit it sounds like is that I can get in there and say, okay, how have I acted when I get angry? And is that the right approach? And the other sort of thing that's interesting to me is I'm not always the best at understanding my younger kids' emotions, that they have emotions, you know, like, why aren't you listening to me? Or why, you know, why are you so grumpy? What, you know, and not as opposed to being, you know, are you sad? Are you okay? Or going down the other road of, hey, what are these emotions? There's more emotions out there, you know? So that's another sort of benefit I would think there that I'm still working on, but you're making progress, I'd say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Very good. So I wanted to, before we sort of wrap up, I want to hear more about Uplift Kids, what the product is and why you started it actually too, because I know you're one of the co-founders, which is very cool. So a group of us did a mindfulness program It's like a nine-month program. And over the course of the nine months, we started talking about how much we liked what we were learning. It's mindfulness and human development, like how people grow up internally. And we said, oh, this would be so great if we could figure out a way to translate this for kids. And so we took a lot of those principles, you know, and then we added in like all the stuff about values and emotions, which were also things that we were exploring. And we did like several prototypes with groups of families trying to figure out what would be most useful for the kind of family that would want this kind of thing. And we kept iterating and iterating and iterating. Finally, we landed on this product that we have, which is a lesson library, a digital lesson library. And so we have at this point more than 90 lessons. We have foundations lessons where we talk about our approach. We have lessons based on values. We have lessons based on wisdom practices some of these practices that I've mentioned, but then also like journaling, singing, et cetera, just practices that have been part of the human experience for thousands of years in their own way. And then uh, we also have lessons on the world's wisdom traditions. So we pull from the world's wisdom traditions, as well as uh, the latest scientific research on all of these topics. The wisdom traditions would be like Stoicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, Taoism, etc. So it's like, what have our distant ancestors said about these things? And what can we pull? It's like the best of the best from these various traditions. And so our kids learn the language of a variety of people. And they also learn like, oh, humans have been thinking about these things for a long time. It's all part of that same connection, connecting to the past so that they have a foundation to stand on. And then we also have lessons on holidays. So just short lessons to kind of touch in and do something meaningful on a holiday together for like five or 10 minutes, connect. And are these religious holidays or are these? It's religious holidays. We have a variety of holidays. Some, you know, it might be like a different culture's holiday. So you just kind of learn, oh, this that's interesting that this culture does this. Others are like in the US, like Martin Luther King Day, you know, so. The whole idea is that a family can sit down for like 15, 20 minutes run through one of these lessons. If it sparks additional conversation, great, run with it. If not, you know, just close it up. That was great. We had a 15 minute conversation about forgiveness. What we found is that you can say, oh, I could just do this on my own and you can, but then 
often without structure, I'll speak personally, like I just don't like I get lost in the day to dayness of life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been like six months and I haven't sat down with my kid and like really talked through how to be honest. And so we have that all set so a parent can just sit down without any prep if they want and just go through. We curate videos, we have activities, we have worksheets, you know, and stuff like that, that you can just sit down and do it at your own pace. You don't have to finish the whole lesson. You can just kind of pick and choose what you want from the lesson, start a conversation. So yeah, that's the product. We have a journal and a calendar that have like daily questions. And so you can have this ongoing conversation as a family about all of these things. And we just give parents the tools. Hopefully it makes it easy to sit down and do it. I love that. Yeah. I mean, like we're saying, you know, there's a lot of tools. I mean, you can create your own, but a lot of us just don't or do and then don't, you know, so to keep it consistent. Yeah. We spend about 25 hours per lesson, you know, building it and researching it and writing it. And so like somebody could spend time but, you know, the ideal parent is somebody who we save them a lot of time. It's just like it's there. They can take what they want and they can run with it. Yeah, I like that a lot. One more question, actually, before we wrap up in terms of the product, but religion. How does religion fit when we're talking about, you know, the kind of first themes we started, spirituality and values? And how does that fit in with what you guys do? Yeah, we hope to be supportive of whatever religious tradition somebody comes from. And we also hope to be supportive if somebody doesn't belong to a religious tradition. There are a lot of mixed faith marriages and mixed faith families. And a lot of them have resonated very much with uplift kids because it's a way to talk about some of the things that are associated with religion without making it about the religion. And it also, like I said, honors a variety of approaches. So you can pull from Taoism right next to Christianity. And it's not like, oh, one of these is the true way and one of these is the false way it's like this teaching in christianity of forgiveness is really beautiful and this teaching of wu wei in taoism is also really beautiful and so you can kind of hold these various religious traditions now if somebody belongs to religion they might favor their own when they're teaching it and they might view it through that lens like you know we're christian and so we we believe x y and z but it's not a prerequisite to having any of these discussions at home. No, that's great. It sounds like it can be complementary or additive, like you said, with mixed faith marriages or marriages that don't have faith, you know, per se, that want faith, but just, you know, didn't grow up with it or grew up with something that doesn't resonate anymore. I love the idea of taking various threads to create that quilt of values that's important to you for your family and, and yourself. So, well, I really appreciate you joining us here today, John upliftkids.org is where we can uh, find your website. A lot of great content there. A lot of free content too, by the way. Just great resources to help you think a little differently, at least for me, than I was thinking about my family and, and how I spend my time. So appreciate it, John. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on.